0: Hi everyone, it's Bob Tulio. Welcome to Automatic Merchandisers, Vending and OCS Nation, the podcast for the convenience services industry. Today's topic, Tom Stuber, Justin Stuber, and Kim Lentz reveal the formula for success at Associated Services. When Hal and Diane Stuber started Associated Coffee in 1972, the Bay Area was a highly fragmented market loaded with OCS operators associated grew by utilizing the technique that we hear so much about today, acquisitions. Over 20 companies, according to their son, Tom Stuber, who thought he was sure about one thing. After working at the company as a kid, he wanted nothing to do with the family business. So Tom Stuber, how did that work out?
1: When I was younger, I worked here a lot and did a variety of jobs from making deliveries to fixing machines to washing glass coffee pots. And accounting and lots of other things. And so when I left for college, I would say I had a really clear plan that I was never going to come work here, because uh, you know it's a small business and you had to work real hard. And I wanted to have a job where in those days you would wear a suit, maybe have a little bit of business travel. And so after I got out of college, I I took a job like that and discovered pretty quickly that a job's a job, and you know it wasn't as glamorous as it was as I thought it might be. So meanwhile, my mom and dad made a big pitch for me to come back and work in the business. They were hoping I would come back and, and someday take it over. You know, they, they made me the offer, and I was in my early 20s, and I thought, well, gosh, I had to, I had to try it now. But I, actually, I came in, and I really liked it. So I've I stayed here for the rest of my career.
0: No, Obviously, you made the right choice. Justin, were you determined to not get into the family business too?
1: Growing up, my grandmother would bring me into the office and introduce me to everyone, and I... Fell in love with the work culture before I was even allowed to legally leave work here.
0: What are some of the unique challenges that you've experienced that come along, you think, with being in a family business?
1: I had to, to settle in on how to work together with my dad and my mom. He tried to give me space, and I, and I think he did. There were certain things that he was just going to make the decision because it was his decision to make. And, and so when he retired, it was great for a while because I, I could do the things that I had always wanted to do. And then after a while, I, you know, then I started feeling the real weight of all this decisions on my <laughs> shoulders. And I had to start checking my blood pressure and I didn't sleep as well at night. And so, it, you know, it was a lot of responsibility.
0: Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Right. You have any other family members in the business?
1: It's Justin and myself that work here. My wife, Virginia. She plays a behind-the-scenes role. She's coming in here tomorrow to help me brainstorm on some items.
0: Well, that's great. It's got to be very gratifying for you to have your son in the business.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm real, real happy that that Justin's here. It would make it very different for me if if none of my kids wanted to work in the business.
0: Kimberly, you're not in the family, are you? I'm not. I'm not even going to ask you what kind of challenges you have being in a family business, but do you find that that your job is evolving as the industry changes?
2: So I'm a director of sales and procurement, and I think the add-on of procurement just answers your question on how it's evolved. So, you know, when I first came in, I think it was about 13 years ago, it's was just really focused on sales. My job, I think, has evolved since day one. Us adding pantry, looking for new snacks, that part has evolved. So I think in order for us to grow as a company, our roles have to evolve.
0: Sure. Is there anything over the years that, as a company, Tom, you look back and say we took a wrong turn here but we were able to pivot or correct it
1: the things that are striking to me are things that we got involved with that didn't work out but it was because we were too early so and there's two very notable ones i can remember when we first found a single cup brewer and we thought it was going to be a, a big hit in the market you know we bought quite a few and we placed them but we just we couldn't keep them working we had real breakdown issues, and I think it was because we were trying to use the machine in a way that was a little bit different than how it was originally designed, and we got completely out of it, you know, but then later, different evolutions of machines came along, and single cup brewers are you know, a big part of our business. In a similar way, we acquired the coffee service piece of Pacific Coast Services, and their biggest customer was Google. It was, you know, pantry service and it was we were completely unfamiliar with, with what they did and they were growing like crazy and it was all we could do to keep up. You know, fortunately they had really good people and, and we did a good job. We had that business at Google for about a year before Google took it in-house and then we we lost it, which was a, a really bad loss. When that happened, we got completely out of the pantry business. We had virtually no other customers that wanted that type of service, and we were out of it for years before it kind of came around again, you know, but this time in a bigger way.
0: How have you adjusted your business to deal with the fact that you're serving 50% of the office population that you served in 2019?
1: Well, Bob, we've had to make a lot of changes, you know, post pandemic. And I would say we're somewhere in the middle of that process. The problem we have right now is that our customers are still adapting to this, you know, oftentimes hybrid work schedule. Sometimes they have a whole lot of people that come in the office for a meeting. It it makes it really hard for us to make a a proposal to a prospective customer because in a lot of cases, they they can't tell you exactly how many people are, are gonna be in the office on any given day. And in many cases, they have a lot more equipment than what you would have placed in the old days and sometimes that's because they really just have too much space and they're having a hard time figuring out how to use that space or if they should downsize or how much they should downsize. You know, we're constantly adapting to that type of thing. And we've, we're still focused on the office market and we're still focused on office coffee and pantry, but trying to keep up with the customers has been challenging. And, you know, and we are looking at things. And we've tried a few things that we haven't done before, just trying to see what the opportunity is here in, in this new hybrid environment.
0: Kimberly, what do you think about that? Or, or how do you deal with that from a selling standpoint?
2: Well, I think that's the biggest challenge, right? And, and a lot of it is, that, like you said, the customer isn't really sure. They can't give you the information that you need. And so, and the expectations sometimes are just really unrealistic. You know, being able to pivot so quickly, it's easier said than done. And everyone is, is very different. So
0: Tom writes a check for the equipment and, and the plan. Kimberly sells the account and then Justin's got to figure out a way to keep them happy. And what does that mean, Justin? Does that mean a lot of ongoing communication with the client?
1: It really does. They say, hey, by the way, we're having an onsite all next week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our headcount's going from 60 to like 160. And we just have to make sure that we can bring in all the products, not, you know, run out for them or anyone else and, bring that extra level of
0: service that they're looking for. So the things that would have just absolutely thrown you for a loop pre-pandemic are now part of the new normal. We probably would have been able to take care of it
1: pre-pandemic, but it definitely would have been more of a hassle, whereas now
0: we, we just we figured out the ropes and how to do it.
2: You know, when you look at what you're doing in each account, it is lower, so if we can get that incremental sale for the month.
0: Are you determined to add as many incremental sales, as much as you can bring to the table outside of traditional OCS that stays within your structure? Is that part of the plan?
1: Many times, the things that have really been um, the best opportunities for us are things that we learn from our customers. If we can be a good partner to our customers, understand not only what do they need us to do, but what other problems are they trying to solve and how do we fit into that picture. And I, I think that there's there's definitely opportunity there. We have a big concentration of business in high tech, just like a rocket ship where these companies would get on the launch pad and grow like a weed. But now times are kind of tough in the tech industry. And even though I said, you know, we've never gotten into markets, there, there's definitely starting to be more of a call for things that might be, you know, not provided by the employer for free. But maybe provided on a subsidized basis, and so we're looking for opportunities in that area because we'd like to grow back to what we were before. But it's going to take some some new thinking to get there.
0: So never say never, right? Yeah. How does Associated use technology to better serve customers?
1: Pantry service is very, very difficult to provide at the level of service that that customers expect. So we've partnered with a company Tangelo that helps us execute on what we're supposed to do, helps us train our employees and helps us ensure that delivering on what you know what we say we'll do. You know, it's always been hard, Bob, and you can remember this through the years, just trying to supervise people that are in the field. This is just a, a technology system that allows us to have a little bit more control over what people do in the field, providing them more information on how to do their jobs. And that's not the only thing we're using. We we've been using a a system called Field Aware that helps us dispatch our service techs and and have and again just have a little bit better knowledge of you know where they
0: are in their day, where they are in the field. Who does Associated rely on from an equipment standpoint?
2: Some of those key partners we've worked with: DeJean, Duke for a long time; just onboarded S We've worked with Nespresso and Flavia Keurig. Really, it's it's a matter of having a variety of equipment to meet a variety of needs. I would say each office is just very unique in what they're looking for.
0: Tell us about how you think selling has changed, selling convenience services in general, how that's changed over the years.
2: Well, I think our customers have become more educated. They're more knowledgeable. 13 years ago, you could walk in and say, hey, we have all this great equipment. Now our customers are coming to us a lot of times saying, you know, this is what we're looking for. In terms of product, I'd say just, you know, taste has changed. More localization, more regional. Companies are looking to support sustainability initiatives in a way that they weren't 10 years ago. I would say 10 years ago was mainly focused on fair trade coffee. Uh, Now people are looking for local. They're looking for women or minority owned. They're looking to hit certain kind of initiatives within their company culture. So we have to be more educated. We also have to be just more knowledgeable on what's out there, what we have available and how we can help them reach those sustainability initiatives or uh, company initiatives that they had. So I think before you kind of went in and said, Hey, this is what we have. And now you go in and more of like a kind of consultant, right? You're going in and you're, you're providing a service beyond just coffee delivery. It's really trying to help them meet, meet some of their company goals.
0: Let me ask you about NAMA. How important is NAMA to your organization?
1: I'll be the chairman of NAMA starting later uh, in 2024. I, I That's why this you- is called a
0: slam dunk. No question <laughs> about it.
1: <laughs> I have to tell you how valuable it is to our to our company. But I I wouldn't be exaggerating to say it's valuable for us. You know where we're just a regional company. It provides us a great opportunity for networking. The the thing I've perceived as a value over the years is just getting to know my fellow operators so that I have people that I can turn to when I have questions or ask them, what are, what are they doing? It gives you the ability to spot trends. Over the years, that's been invaluable, and that's why I ended up getting involved in NAMA. Something that I didn't perceive to be important in earlier on is NAMA's ability to for advocacy in government and that's become a real focus for NAMA and I as I've gotten more involved I can see the value of that you know not only to help defend the industry from things that are harmful to the industry but even to to go out and you know kind of play offense and try to get things that are beneficial to the industry to you know, lean more our direction. So that's I, I can really see the value of that.
0: Are you still having fun as an operator after all these years? What's your feeling on that?
1: I am still having fun. It's you you have to ask me on the right day because, you know, certain days are harder than others. And it's just never the case that every day is just an easy, great day. Running a small business, you're always gonna have days that are headaches and you're always gonna have to be, you know, out there putting out fires or or dealing with personnel problems. But, you know, the knowledge that we have a great team and we enjoy working together and we're we're going out into the market and being successful is something that, you know, I find very fulfilling.
0: If I'm a client, what am I experiencing because I'm working with associated?
2: For me, you know, in sales and being in front of the customer, I think it's our adaptability. So it's being able to really understand what's happening in the market. Uh, where our customers are at, what their what their needs are, and being able to bring that back, and have a conversation of how do we how do we meet our customers where they're at, how do we how do we fulfill this need, um, and and being flexible and 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 finding ways to make it happen.
0: What are you looking at out there that you're excited about?
2: I think the most excitement we've seen generated is cold snap. I mean, even at the NAMA, just such a unique and different idea. I would also say, like we were talking about early, Anza, the on-site coffee roaster is a really unique one. So anything that can offer cold brew in a more easy to market way, or the Marco Cord system. We didn't talk about Bevy, but you know, Bevy was a huge game changer in the marketplace. Oh, yeah. Sure. It comes to water and increasing water consumption and water sales from, you know, filtered water to flavored water. So that's also, I think, one worth, worth noting.
0: I'm going to ask you to finish with this what do you think 10 years from now how is this business going to be different
1: well bob you know the whole business has always been about giving giving the people what they want when they want it how they want it and so you can just follow the the trends i mean we try to keep up with whatever people want but it's hard to we're probably a little bit of a lagging indicator got to be fast got to offer variety the variety is critical because that people have variety available in all aspects of what they do and and I think we do need to take a page kind of from Amazon that you you have to be able to to respond quickly accurately and you know have it there when they need it and, and keep prices reasonable so you know we're, we're never going to be exactly like these big internet companies but we have to be able to satisfy the demands that they've made our customers come to expect.
0: That's it for now. As you know, we have moved to three episodes a month, the first, third, and fourth Tuesday of each month. So please subscribe to Vending in OCS Nation if you haven't already, so you do not miss an episode. In the next episode of Vending in OCS Nation, we'll talk to CJ Recker from Five Star Food Service a company that is dedicated to giving back as they serve their clients. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Bob Tulio.